Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Leviathan Chronicles, an audio adventure. The story thus far. McAllen Orsall has secretly arrived in Homer, Alaska to charter a boat called the Hail Mary. She has been instructed by Sension, the leader of the Leviathan group, to find the mysterious key that lies within a deep shipwreck called the Cedar Elm. The crew of the Hail Mary, Captain Jeffrey Tully and first mate Oberlin St. Clair, discovered the Cedar Elm several months ago. Tully and Oberlin have debts to the Yakuza that loom over their heads, and they do not want to take the time to find the Cedar Elm for McAllen. When a van pulled up at the Homer Marina and started shooting bullets and grenades at the Hail Mary, the ship was driven out to sea in the midst of a turbulent storm. After stumbling on the Cedar Elm in an unexpected location, Tully and Oberlin agreed to help McAllen recover the key from the shipwreck. The Hail Mary's scientific and recovery equipment is badly damaged from the attack. Using his engineering background, Oberlin is able to jerry-rig a shaky connection between the Hail Mary's mini-sub and its tethered ROV drone. McAllen and Tully descend down, thousands of feet, to the shipwreck of the Cedar Elm. After unsuccessfully exploring the wreck, the two discover a strange glow emanating from one of the smaller cargo holds deep within the ship. After directing the ROV to investigate, McAllen and Tully discover a strange sarcophagus, the top of which has a woman's head jutting outwards, a woman that resembles McAllen. Running out of power, McAllen and Tully quickly grab the sarcophagus and attempt a hasty retreat to the surface. But before they can get far, the Cedar Elm, which has been slated for demolition by the US Navy, explodes. And now, Chapter 6, A Return to the Surface. Oh, what the hell happened? Ah, oh, my head! Jesus, what a pounding! Ah, where in God's name am I? Oberlin regained consciousness and found himself secured to a cold iron chair. His arms and legs were tied to the chair with metal wires that dug into his skin when he struggled. The room seemed damp, and Oberlin could smell the brine of the sea air. Hello? Where am I? Hello? are you? What is your name? Look, I'm not saying shit until someone tells me where the hell I am. Why am I being restrained? What is your name? I'm not playing around. Someone better- What is your name? What is your name? What is your name? What is your name? Ah, oh, right, all right, all right! My name is Oberlin St. Clair. Now do you mind telling me who the fuck you are? Ah, oh, that light! What is your mission? What mission? I don't have a mission. What is your mission? I told you. I don't have a mission. What is your mission? What is your mission? What is your mission? That noise! Just stop it! I don't have a mission. I work on a boat as an engineer. I'm a treasure hunter. That's all. What is your objective? We're trying to find a galleon called the Orlando Cortez. 
What is your objective? I don't know what objective you're talking about. I don't have an objective. You are lying. I'm telling you the truth. We were looking for the Orlando Cortez. We just stumbled on this other wreck, the Cedar Elm. We were just going to stop briefly to take this woman on a tour of... What is the name of the woman? Oh, it doesn't matter. What is the name of the woman? What's the name of the woman? What's the name Her name is McAllen Orsel. Look, you're not going to break me like this. Who the hell are you? You won't show me your face, and you won't even let me hear your real voice. That means you're afraid of something. That means you're afraid of me. And that means I don't have to be afraid of you. I'm not talking anymore until you show me your face! Shout at me all you want. You know, it's very interesting, Oberlin St. Clair, that someone in your position can be so right and so wrong at the same time. You are correct. I am afraid of something. But it certainly isn't you. You are afraid of me, or at least of that voice you just heard. Does your left arm hurt a bit at the elbow joint? That's where you were injected with a chemical concoction of my own device. It makes you highly suggestible and very sensitive to noises at a specific pitch, like the voice you just heard. So let me kindly correct you, Oberlin, that, chemically speaking, you are afraid of me. Who are you? It doesn't really matter, because you will never remember any of this ever happened. What do you want? I want to know where, exactly, is McAllen Orsel. What's it to you? Where the fuck am I? You need to understand the situation really doesn't matter. What does matter is you giving me the information I need quickly. Once again, chemically speaking, you will tell me everything I want to know. You see this syringe? It contains something very different than what's in your bloodstream now. See, that first injection just stimulates your fear response to a specific auditory signal. It'll be digested by your body in a few hours. This little baby here is something very different. This stimulates your pain receptors as I ransack your short-term memory. Like I said, you are going to tell me what I want to know. The only question is, how much damage are we going to do in the meantime? Meanwhile, deep under the Gulf of Alaska, the mini-sub inhabited by McAllen Orsel and Jeffrey Tully lies lifeless, pinned against an underwater cliff. Tully! Tully, wake up! Are you okay? Tully! Tully! Jesus Christ. Tully, what happened? Fucking shit blew up on us. Well, obviously. Ah! My leg! Tully, I can't see you. Why is it pitch black in here? We must have lost main power. So let's go to backup. We don't have that option. Gave the backup battery to the ROV. A damn explosion must have knocked us end over end. Are you okay? How bad is your leg? Uh, I... I think I'm okay. I can move it. Uh, but it's definitely fractured. My head is sore from getting banged against the wall ten times, but I'm not bleeding. How about you? Um, I'm not sure, but I, I think I am bleeding. Something feels wet. That or we got a leak in here, which means bleeding is the least of my problems. I'm sorry, our problems. Thanks. Well, we might be able to get some light in here if I can just get this... Oh, got it! Lights! 
You got the main battery back up. You restored main power. I wish. These are chemical lights, completely independent of the power supply of the mini-sub. That's why they have that reddish glow. Tully, look at the cabin. We're upside down. That would explain why my head feels like someone drilled a hole in it. Oh my god, Tully. What? Your face. You've got a huge laceration, a good two inches from your left eye to your ear, and you've got a pretty massive lump on your head. No worries, just don't touch it. I'm very worried, especially about your shirt. We've got a complete power failure and you're worried about my shirt? No, I'm worried about you. Look at your shirt. It's caked in dried blood. That means you lost a lot of it and I need you to stay conscious. We're lying thousands of feet under freezing cold water, and you're the only one that can get us out of here. The body can start to develop symptoms of hypothermia in less than 20 minutes, faster when the subject is wet. Yeah, it's gonna start getting really cold in here. The outside water temperature is just above freezing. Is there any way to figure out how long we've been down here? Looking at my watch, shit, like 45 minutes. Tully, how much air does that leave us? Not much. We gotta figure something out. Does the mini-sub have the same lift bag mechanism as the ROV? Yes, that's a great idea. Uh, except... Except what? We have no power, or at least whatever power we do have can't make a complete circuit to the relays. Maybe we could reset the fuses. Is there a manual override? There is a manual override, but it... Oh! Oh, Tully, Tully! Sorry, I got dizzy for a second. You're getting hypothermic. Here, take my sweater. I'm not... Tully? I'm not arguing with you. You're taking my sweater. But women get colder than men when- Yeah, yeah. Keep reading Cosmo, tough guy. You're still wet with blood, and I'm not. That means I'll stay warmer longer than you will. Now, Tully, look at these power relays. I need you to focus. Is this an alternating circuit? No. Okay. Is this first array tied to operations or life support? Or life support. I'm going to disconnect it from the primary manifold and splice it to operations. What? Disconnect life support. A human at rest can survive on a square meter of oxygen for at least an hour. We've got probably three or four square meters in here. That should give us a few hours to complete our ascent to the surface. But we've already been lying here for a while. Then you'll have to stop panting like a German shepherd and start conserving air. Where... Where'd you learn so much about electrical engineering? Rockets. Rockets? Estes solid fuel model rockets. When I was really little, my dad and I used to build rockets and I got to help build the electrical launch fuses. And in college, I wired my own personal sex robot. What? Tully, you can't go to sleep. You're hypothermic, have endured substantial blood loss, and certainly a concussion. Now think, is this the master relay switch? Um, yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Now, you get ready at the cockpit, I'm going to blip the relay and maybe get a small boost of power that will activate the lift bags. Okay. Ready? Ready. Now. Ah, nothing. Shit! We're stuck. And I disconnected life support. That's not so bad. Oh, really? Yeah. And and why is that? Because I'm going to die in a pink fuzzy sweater. It's coral, and nobody's going to die. You said there was a manual override to the lift bags. There is, but look at us. We're upside down. So? So, which way do bubbles travel? Up, obviously. Right, so the lift bags are located on the top deck. Which is now the bottom deck. Got it. Well, uh, I don't know. Let's try it anyway. Maybe we can get a little bit of air in the lift bags so they can turn the mini-sub right side up, you know? What do you say? Okay, just let me take a second No, 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 Tully. I... No, you're with me on this, right? Try to stand a bit. Lean on me. Where in the shoe closet is the manual activation of the lift bags? I bet it's connected directly to the air tanks on the roof, which would now be the floor. Under the seat. Under the seat, right. 
McAllen lifted Tully aside and gently set him down towards the aft of the mini-sub's small compartment. She reached upwards and pulled the captain's chair directly backwards. The release mechanism snapped open, and the chair hung limply from the ceiling. Its base now revealed a small panel with a turn handle. McAllen opened it, tossed the panel on the floor, and saw a small metal spigot inside. She twisted it with all of her might. <coughs> I thought men were supposed to open pickle jars. Ugh. Tully, you've got to get up. Tully, I know it's hard, but I need you to try to turn the release mechanism. I know you feel weak, but you're stronger than I am. Uh, Come on, I'll help you up. That's it, that's it, right there. Okay, it's Lefty Lucy, right? That's how I remember it. Just hold me up straight. Uh, oh. It's turning. It's turning. It's no use. The air tanks are wide open, but the weight of the mini-sub on top of the lift bags is too much. We're not going to be going anywhere. Well, what else? What else can we try? I don't know. I'm, um, um, sort of running out of ideas here. Come on. There has to be something. We we could rock back and forth and try to flip the sub upright. <laughs> the mini-sub weighs over 3,500 pounds. I wouldn't be a gentleman if I asked you how much you weighed. I think it's going to be pretty tough to move. Very funny, but at least it's something. We've got to do something, Tully. Come on. Get up with me. Maybe we can just get the sub on an edge. I'm going to try to get as high as I can. You can just just sit on the railing there. That'll put more weight on it. I think we're barking up the wrong tree here. Well, I'm going to try. I don't think it's... Yeah, I know. It's not working. Maybe there's a different angle that we can hit this thing at. I'm going to... Push back and forth on both walls, and maybe we can try to build up some momentum. Desperation set in as McCallum began to violently slam herself into the narrow walls of the submarine. She hit harder and harder, but nothing moved. The mini-sub remained stubbornly immobile, and the thought began to creep into McCallum's mind that this was no longer a submarine, but might end up becoming a tomb. McCallum's rhythmic pounding and grunting was lulling Tully's eyes to close, and this time McCallum didn't stop him. <laughs> can't move it. It won't even. Wait. Tully. Did you feel something? Tully. I, I think I hear. Keep rocking. Help me. I think we're getting it loose. Maybe some air is getting forced into the lift bags and they're riding the sub. Help me out. Okay, okay. Keep pushing. I'm trying. Okay, with me. One, two, three. Oh. Now back again. One, two, three. <laughs> I hear the airbags inflating, but we're right side up. I can feel us ascending. We're gonna be okay. But Tully couldn't hear her. Exhausted, he had slid down the walls of the submarine and was now slumped on the floor. He had stopped shivering since McCallum made him put on her pink sweater, but his left eye had swelled almost completely shut and his right eye seemed to be losing focus. Darkness began to surround him. McCallum looked at him and felt her throat tighten. Tears started to roll down her cheeks and she remembered. Jimmy. McCallum ran down beside him and put her hands on his face. Tully, Tully, you've got to stay with me. I'm not letting you fade out. You cracked your head hard, so you can't go to sleep. It's too dangerous with a concussive injury, and I'm not losing you when we're so close. 
Do you feel us rising, Tully? We'll be back on the Hail Mary in no time. Uh, McCallan, it's not... Whoa. We're definitely off the shelf now. Can you feel it, Tully? Stay with me. The ship just feels funny because we're floating in open water. We don't have power, so the stabilizers are out. Pretty soon, the lift bags will take us to the surface and we'll be okay. We're... McCallan, you can't... What? Ugh! Ah! This thing is like riding a bull. Jeez, the depth gauge shows us at 5,000 feet already. That's great, Tully. This thing will be up in no time, isn't McCallan. it? McCallan! Whoa! It was as if the mini-sub gave McCallan a hip check and threw her across the tight compartment, landing on top of Tully's lap. I'm so sorry! Are you okay? Can McCallan, you... What? We can't ascend this fast. The ship will... It's gonna break apart. What? The metal and the sealants can't compensate for the sudden drop in pressure. It would come apart. What's gonna come apart? The ship. What? We've gotta slow our rate. Okay, how? How do we do that? Can I release some of the air in the lift bags? Wouldn't that slow our ascent rate? Yes. Okay, show me where the controls are for the lift bag operations. How do I release some of the air to slow us down? Well, I didn't say it was possible. I just said it would. What? You said I... Just slow down. You're talking too fast. You asked if we could vent some of the air in the lift bag. Holly, this is no time for semantics. How do I slow the fucking sub down? It's the hell out of me, Max. Jesus, if you can't tell me how to do it, how- A sudden crack that resembled a lightning bolt raced across the clear plexiglass nose of the mini-sub. A narrow, deadly stream of seawater found its way inside and launched itself like a needle across ah! the cabin. Only Jeff Tully's leg stood in its way. Ah! Don't Tully, touch it! Lying. Don't touch it! It'll slice right through Tully, your Tully, you're bleeding! We've got to get, get up! Get the access panel! Get the access panel! McCallan leapt towards the abandoned access panel that was lying on the floor. She took it in her left hand and shoved it into the deadly stream of water that was cutting into Tully's leg. The panel almost flew off in her hand, but Tully put up his right hand to help her steady the panel. Keep it steady! I'm trying! The two of them managed to hold the heavy access panel between the stream of water and Tully's badly wounded leg for just long enough for him to move out of its path. After Tully painfully dragged himself aside, the panel flew out of both of their hands. The stream continued unabated, hitting on one of the welds in the floor of the submarine. Is that stream of water going to break through our hull? The hull of the ship is its thickest component. It'll take way more than an hour to break through the hull. How long until we get to the surface? Hopefully less than an hour. What the hell was that? Shit. I think I know. Well, do you mind filling in the rest of the group? McCallan! Yeah! When you activated the lift bags, did you ever shut off the airflow? What do you mean? When you turned the air on, did you ever bother to turn it off? Uh, no. You're still pumping more air into the balloons until they explode. Uh, Tully, I'm gonna turn the lift bags off right now. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, Well, what about the rest of the lift bags? What if... What if they burst too? Is that going to send us back down into the abyss? Will we start sinking? No, no, I don't think it works that way. All of the lift bags are on a circuit by blowing the circuit. Tully! I'm sorry, I just feel I'm feeling a bit woozy, but... The circuit! Right, the airbags are on a circuit, which means that if one lift bag is blown, the excess pressure should be vented to the absent lift valve. How bad is that? Well, given their size, three fully inflated lift bags ought to lift the tractor trailer, so I don't think we're gonna go negative at... at, um... What's our depth now? Um, just over 2,000 feet. We're gonna start rising faster and faster as we reach the surface. It's gonna become a pretty rocky ride. What about the leak? Will it stop? Hard to tell. The pressure is still pretty deadly, but it's starting to back off. But Tully, the cabin is starting to fill with water. It's gonna drastically reduce our body temperatures. Hypothermia can begin. Callan. Yeah. I know it's cold. What are we gonna do? Just hold tight and... What's going on? We're getting... Shallower, the, the outside pressure is decreasing exponentially. Whoa! Uh, hang on! Why does it feel like we're breaking up? Just don't think about it. Uh, 
Another crack, the longest yet, shot across the plexiglass nose of the mini-sub. No water came shooting out, but McAllen could see bits of moisture bubbling and hissing along the crack. And just then, she saw something. Something outside the sub that struck her as beautiful. Tully! Look! I know. I see the crack. No! Beyond the crack. Look outside the water. It's turning blue. It's blue, Tully. Feels like we're back on Earth again. What's out there? 500 feet. Shit. McAllen, come here. Hold on to something tightly. You've got to brace yourself. This is going to hurt. What will? Breaching! The mini-sub was now bobbing on the surface of the ocean, and almost all of the clear but cracked nose of the ship rested above the waterline. Tully! We did it! We're alive! Oh, God! I thought we were going to die down there. But we did it, Tully. Tully, how you doing, baby? Pretty rough. Keep getting the salt water splashed into that puncture wound on my leg. Stings like high holy hell. Look at this water. It's been splashing around in here. It's filthy. It's picked up all the dirt and dust behind your monitors. The sub really did need a good detailing inside. Very funny. The wound is probably infected. We need to get you on antibiotics as soon as we can. How's your head? It hurts. A lot. Can you stand up? I think you could use some fresh air. One way to find out. If you could press that hatch release mechanism over there, I'll poke my head outside to say hi to Oberlin. Got it. What the hell? Please get down! McAllen grabbed Tully's belt and pulled him down from the hatch. The current pushed the mini-sub to the left. And then, out the front porthole, they saw it. A 40-foot-long gunboat staring right back at them. It looked like a cigarette-style speedboat, but wider, and with a small second deck. Two swivel-mounted 50-caliber machine guns were installed side-by-side on the tip of the ship's bow, resembling the horns of an angry bull. On the port and starboard side of the boat hung two modified Stinger rocket launchers. Below them, an unusual railing wrapped around the boat just above its waterline. Tully could see nothing inside, as all of the windows were tinted jet black. Suddenly, an explosion of fire and smoke erupted from the starboard side. A rocket fired towards the mini-sub, leaving a trail of smoke behind it. It exploded 30 feet in front of the sub. What the hell is going on? Probably more friends of yours. Friends of mine? I thought we'd been through this already. You've had your own shady dealings. Yeah, but my dealings were never punctuated by rocket fire before I met you. Well, meet your new friends. Captain Jeffrey Tully, I believe you have picked up something we want. Give it to us immediately or I'll sink your craft. Any attempt to dive and I'll obliterate any trace of your existence from the Pacific. Who the hell are you? I will not ask again. Give us what you have. What the hell is going on? What do they want? Are you kidding? You know what they want. It's that stupid coffin thing hanging off our boat. Things probably worth a fortune. That can't be right. These must be the same guys that attacked us back at the Homer Marina. They wanted to kill us before we ever uncovered the key. These aren't pirates or treasure hunters. What are you saying? I think they want me. What? Tully, everything I've been telling you is the truth. I'm in danger, and I don't know why. I don't even know who these people are. I just want this thing to stop. Hey, stop that. We're gonna get out of this jam. We just gotta- Gotta what? Gotta what? You can't even think straight. Your head is bleeding. My leg is banged up. The sub has no power. We don't have any weapons to defend ourselves We just with. need to think of a plan. What plan? 
they're about to open fire on us if we even- McCallan? What? Why is that light blinking on the control console? How should I know? It's your stupid boat. No, you're not following me. I said, why is that light on? What? You just said we didn't have any power left. If we're dead, then why is that light blinking? All systems should be dead. So what does it mean? That's the low battery light. It starts blinking when our primary power supply is below 10%, but it shouldn't be blinking at all. How much power do we have left? Very little. Less than 5%, but that doesn't make any sense. We didn't have any power left after we tried to inflate the lift bags. Maybe it picked up some residual power from the ROV. No, the current only flows one way. McCallum, is, is the laptop still working? One way to find out. Do we have enough power to go for a dive? Not even close. Especially not with partially inflated lift bags hanging off our deck. Besides, even if we could make a run for it, these guys would be too quick. See what I mean? Captain Tully, that was your last chance to comply with us. Either give us what we want and live, or we will take what we want and you will die. I've got the laptop up. Check on the status of the ROV. It should still have a little bit of power. I'll be right back. Where the hell do you think you're going? Buy us some time. All right, you win. I surrender. I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. I'm gonna come over on your starboard side and tie up. You can board and take whatever it is you want. Just please don't kill me. Okay, I bought us a minute. Maybe two. McCallan, laptop, ROV, what do we got? It's just coming online. I click here for video, right? Right. All right. Let's see what we got. Well, the good news is that you are right about the power conservation. We've got about 25% power left on the ROV. Good, good. Okay, video is up. What are we looking for? I just see water. Click there for the alternate camera angle. We can pan and look straight down. I want to make sure we still have the key. Son of a bitch, it's still there. We held on to it. The little ROV has a hell of a grip. That's great. Wait, Tully. There's a black thing blocking part of the camera. Just hold on. Keep it still. I don't know what... McAllen, nervous and annoyed, didn't like being shushed, but she sat silently beside Tully, looking at the laptop monitor that was connected to the ROV's camera array. She was about to say something along the lines of, we're about to be blown out of the water unless we do something, or please tell me you're not really going to give me up to these assassins just to save your own skin. But then she saw it. Tully saw it too. On the laptop, looking at the mysterious piece of spiny metal blocking part of the camera lens on the ROV, a small red light blinked three times. We just found our way out of here. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Honorary 
remote island in frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't fire up those engines and start heading toward the gunboat this instant, they're gonna know you're up to something and open fire. I know, I'm just gonna spin the thrusters a few times and make some splashes. I want them to think we've got engine problems and are trying to make our way over. In case you forgot, you actually do have engine problems. I didn't forget. So what's your big plan? I don't get it. The ROV. You sure it's got some juice left? Yeah, like I said, a little less than 25% maybe. Good, we've got about 5% left in the mini-sub, which should be enough. Enough for what? Did you see that thing hanging onto the ROV? Did you see the red light blink? Yeah. One of the depth charges that was on the Cedar L must have gotten lodged onto the ROV. And that makes you feel good. Why? Because if the ROV still has power, then we can place that bomb exactly wherever the hell we want it. How do we get it off the ROV? Well, we're going to need a little bit of luck. But my sense is that those charges that blew up the Cedar Elm attached themselves magnetically. The gunboat might have a hell of a lot more metal on it than us. If we can secretly maneuver the ROV to the stern of their ship... Then we just have to detonate. Again, a little more luck and prayer, but I'm still showing that we've got a trickle of power left in the mini-sub. So? Well, my thought was that we go fishing. Now, your job is to pilot the ROV over to the stern of their ship. I'm going to go topside so they don't suspect anything. You know how to... Yeah, yeah, I got it. Oberlin showed me how to... Wait, fishing? I'm trying to fix the stern thrusters. Just give me a sec. Tully stood on top of the mini-sub as ice water washed over his feet with the surge of every wave. He walked a few steps to the stern of the mini-sub and pretended to examine the rear thrusters. He pulled on a few latches and stuck his hand into the water as if to clear an obstruction that had tangled the mini-sub's thrusters. During this charade, the only thing that moved on the gunboat was the turrets of the machine guns, which Tully could swear had followed him from the hatch to the stern. He knew he was running out of time. I think I got it. It must have been a bunch of seaweed that was clogging up the screws. I'm going to check the other side just to make sure that we didn't... Go! Tully leapt back into the open hatch tumbling below. Are you okay? Did you get hit? No, no, I think I'm okay. Your head is bleeding again. Doesn't matter. How close are you with the ROV? I'm within a hundred feet. I'll take over here. You get our hatch closed and locked. Done. Good. Now sit in the cockpit and look for a button that says fish stun. Has the ROV reached the gunboat yet? Almost. I found the fish stun button. Does that do what I think it does? You got it. Zap! Okay, now hold down the button until the light above it turns green. Don't let go of the button. We'll only get one shot at this. That wasn't aimed towards us. The ROV. Did they hit it? I think they were trying to take it out, but they missed. There. That's the hull of the gunboat. I've got to just get it close enough. If those bullets hit the plexiglass on the nose... Almost there. Hurry! Got it. Driving the ROV away. How's that light coming, McCallum? Still red. Tully, what if there isn't... What if there isn't enough charge and... Green light. Let go of the button, McCallum. We did it! We did it! (laughs) The stern of the gunboat erupted into a violent ball of flame. It listed hard to port and seemed like it would roll over on its side. As the boat tilted, the hungry flames stretched further starboard and engulfed the Stinger rocket array. 
second, four other massive explosions encompassed the body of the gunboat. McCallum was battered and her right leg felt like someone had taken a mallet to it. She picked herself off the floor and limped to the clear nose of the mini-sub and peered through the spaces of plexiglass that had not been blackened by the flame. There was no sign of the gunboat. None. Tully! Tully! Get up! We did it! Tully, get up! The gunboat is gone! We're safe! We're okay. I, uh, hey, hey, let me help you up. Jesus, that was quite a hit. Are you okay? Well, I'm not getting any better. Neither of us are. Come on, let's both get topside and see if our friends brought any company with them. Hand me those binoculars over there. My God. For the first time, I understand what they mean when they describe the open ocean as a desert. There's nothing as far as the eye can see. I can't tell north or south. Can you tell it? Do you see anything? No. No, I don't. That, that's what worries me. What are you talking about? You want another gunboat to play with? No, but I would like to know where the hell my boat is. Did you forget about the Hail Mary? If Oberlin is alive, he would have seen that explosion five miles away. He'd be on his way here or giving us some sort of signal by now. What do you mean, alive? You don't, you don't think they... Whoever was driving that boat wanted something pretty bad. That boat was firing stinger rockets. Pretty hard to come by for the average thug. It wasn't exactly your standard pirate skiff, either. Looked a lot more like a custom-modified special forces craft of some sort. <sighs> Somebody's got a lot of money and resources, and they're looking for a piece of us badly. So Oberlin... So Oberlin was sitting in the first place they probably looked. A broken-down boat in the middle of the open ocean with no guns. Pretty easy pickings. They didn't like whatever he had to say, well, I'm sure he didn't stand much of a chance. Don't think that way. Oberlin is resourceful. The Hail Mary may not have had any weapons, but you guys had radar and detection equipment up the wazoo. Am I wrong? Oberlin could have seen that gunboat coming from miles and miles away. He probably got the hell out of here. He's probably trying to figure out where the hell we are. Well, that could be. We gotta think positive. Not the easiest task in the world when our mini-sub has a small leak and that fish stun pulse ate up the last of our power supply for real this time. We're floating dead in the water, which I might add is just a few degrees above freezing, which is good news considering the fact that the air around us is going to be well below zero as soon as night falls. And given the look of your leg and my head, you can't even tell me that at least we have our health. I was going to say sense of humor. After all, you do look pretty cute in my fuzzy pink sweater. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry to get blood all over it. Just make sure you dry clean it before you give it back. I will. Well, maybe we don't have our health, but at least we're alive. Given everything that's happened in the last 48 hours, you have to admit that that's an accomplishment. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, if something did happen to Oberlin and we're all alone out here, then we might not be alive much longer. Think positive. Life is going to get better. You know, actually, my life has gotten pretty fucked up since you walked into it. Ah, come on, Tully. We both know your life was pretty fucked up already. <laughs> You're a real piece of work, McCallum. Back at you, Tully. But to prove that I'm something other than a liability to your life and limb, I think I know how to get us out of this jam. Oh, really? How? With this. A cell phone? Darling, I hate to disappoint you, but I think we're just a little bit outside your service range. Oh, don't worry. I've got a good provider. You have been listening to The Leviathan Chronicles. The Leviathan Chronicles was written and created by Christoph Lepupka, produced by Robin Shaw. 
Produced and musical composition by Luke Allen. Directed by Nobi Nakanishi. For a full list of cast and crew, or to purchase the ad-free director's cut, go to leviathanchronicles.com. Thank you for supporting us, and thank you for listening. To discover more podcasts set in the Leviathan universe, go to leviathanaudioproductions.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Leviathan Audio Production. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.